0: Welcome to the Need More Buffs podcast, the unofficial Lightseekers podcast sponsored by DeliveryCrab.com. DeliveryCrab.com, your number one source for Lightseekers cards and three points of healing. Welcome back, Seekers, to episode 46 of Need More Buffs. I'm your host, Matt Sonnenberg. This week, very similar to last week, we are still catching up with our U.S. National Championship finalists. Last week, we had Chris, who finished in second place. This week, we're going to have on Nick, who finished in first place, making him the U.S. national champion. Not much other news to announce right now. Just remember that the show notes for this episode can be found at deliverycrab.com slash zero four six. That's deliverycrab.com slash zero four six. With that being said, let's jump right into the interview. Thanks for coming back to the show, Nick. How are you doing today? Oh, doing all right. Doing all right. Glad to hear it. So I'm going to start off right now. Congratulations. You are the first ever Lightseekers national champion. Oh, thank you. I'm sure that's pretty exciting for you. Have you played much competitively with other games?
1: I did the World of Warcraft trading card game, as we talked about before, and then Mm -hmm. Magic. I've played decently competitively, not overly. Okay. I think the best showing as far as the World of Warcraft card game I've had was, I think I came in 18th or 16th, 14th, something like that, Okay. for one of the nationals. And then Magic, it's hasn't had any huge tournaments, mainly just a couple day twos, and that's about it.
0: Okay. Basically, you have kind of been on that national stage before.
1: Yeah, close to that, yeah. Yeah.
0: In your opinion, obviously, with different games, it's going to be at different levels, but as far as like competitive play and competitive spirit goes like did you feel light seekers had that like was that competition there oh definitely
1: that was one of the nice things is the competition was definitely there especially for being a new game and mm-hmm. and unfortunately it being a gen con for a new game you're gonna have a little bit lower of attendance than you ideally wish i know there's a lot of people saying that they wish they could have made it mm-hmm. but it was just the cost of trying to travel there the didn't little, work out a higher
0: barrier of entry yeah but speaking of gen con i would assume as a game store owner this is not your first time to gen con
1: no um i've probably been 10 to 15 times i haven't gone in the last three years though so oh. this is the brought me back to gen con so interesting i had to take a couple of years off because of the store and mm-hmm. but with this i was like okay i've got i've got to actually go
0: yeah yeah definitely it turned out pretty well for you Yeah, I guess my question then, being a store owner, do you view Gen Con differently? I mean, like this time, I know a lot of your time was spent with Lightseekers, obviously. But do you go there with a, a different purpose as a store owner, or do you just go and play games too?
1: When we go to Gen Con, we go and we play games. That's the main thing we do. We look for the new games coming out. We look at trying all the games in the vendor hall and just seeing what's going on, what games are causing the hype, what games should we concern, you know, look at bringing in, Mm -hmm. trying to get a feel for the next like six months of what's coming out and what we should have on our radar.
0: Makes sense. So getting into the tournament, the Nationals tournament was an advanced constructed tournament. And this was really the first time we had ever seen this. And some people liked it. Some people didn't. I get the feeling. So, just briefly going over for anybody that that might not be quite as familiar, could be the first time you're ever hearing about Advanced Constructed, but it's a slightly different format where players are required to bring in three decks instead of the standard one. There are no sideboards. When players sit down at the table, each player shows off their three heroes and the opposing player has to ban one of those decks based on just seeing the heroes. And then you have to win with the other two decks that you have. But Nick, in other games you've played, do they have a format anything like this?
1: Nothing that's really brought multiple decks. The only thing that I would say would be close enough that I did was uh, Netrunner, okay. which you have to have two decks with you because there's two different sides, the corporation and then the runners. So everybody brings two decks and you play both decks each round. There's no banning of any sort like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But as I said, it, it was definitely an interesting format. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. I loved the challenge of the deck building. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite part of it, because you have to plan ahead, you have to have your three decks, and you have to try to figure out, okay, well, what are, what are other people's mindsets going to be going into this?
0: Yeah, that was a real challenge, because obviously, with a standard basic constructed, when you are allowed to bring that sideboard along and change things up between rounds, like that gives you a lot of flexibility. You might not think nine cards is a lot, but then at the same time, that could be a quarter of your deck that you change out so oh yeah (laughs) it actually can give you a lot of flexibility but with no sideboards you really have to think a lot of times you stick a lot of unaligned cards that are more situational it's like okay now in advanced constructed do you put those in your main deck or you just leave them out completely
1: yeah, it was definitely something interesting to think about. When we were doing testing for the tournament and trying to get things figured out, we literally just ignored all sideboard options. We built the best main decks possible instead of looking at, okay, well, where would this deck go after sideboarding? What are we concerned about seeing? The only thing we really thought to ourselves or tried to figure out is, you know, having enough healing in the deck because you're going to hit now. You're going to run into aggro decks, especially at, at nationals where we were expecting a lot of dolo and rather fast decks like that. You had to make sure to have the healing to stop and get past those decks to be able to play your game. Sure. So quite a few of our decks ran a couple extra cards for healing just because of that reason.
0: That makes a lot of sense, yeah. So going into this, did you kind of have an idea of which heroes you wanted to play? And then kind of have to just flesh out those decks. How did you go about deciding which heroes you were going to bring?
1: So I literally decided probably the night before exactly what three <laughs> decks I was going to play. It was rather interesting. I had about five or six decks. I kept trying to build new decks that weren't going to be on people's radars, different heroes. Mm-hmm. I had a couple Cora Korra decks, some Ushi decks. And I was just trying to build really weird, wonky decks just to try to get around people's preconceived notions so that way I can surprise them. Because when you have that surprise factor, you're going to have a lot more advantage in the matchup.
0: And I saw that a couple times because I I was running some decks that people didn't necessarily expect. I mean, I didn't expect to win the tournament either, but it kind of threw them for a loop a little bit. And when you think about it, like you only have to win with that deck once. Mm -hmm. So if you win with that deck you set it aside you don't have to worry about them adjusting to that deck yes so yeah that's a nice strategy but which three heroes did you end up playing
1: so i ran dolo cassini trianu okay is that i really wanted to run uh high curator arwin i wanted to run cora i had those decks up until the week before uh, and i even brought them with me and almost was playing them i just <laughs> couldn't determine which one i really wanted to play The High Curator deck was really just like a pet deck of mine, but it was between that one and the Trianu deck, and the Trianu deck just had a little bit more healing and survivability in certain matchups.
0: Sure. Yeah, it turns out that you and Chris, who ended up in second place, ran the exact same three heroes. Yeah. but
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think quite a few people just, you know, you brought the heroes that you had available.
0: That, That could be, yeah
1: yeah and, and those i think were probably the best heroes to run in my opinion you had the three strongest decks in the format mm-hmm. i wish i wish i could say storm was up there because storm's still one of my favorites mm-hmm. but it I just love storm it's just slightly has been behind
0: yeah i completely understand those heroes what 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 surprised me though is looking at the deck lists and you still managed to have there are obviously are some cards that overlap but basically you have different deck lists for these uh, i i think trano was one of the biggest differences like you, ha- you get the, the ones that are common that you're just going to put in any nature deck mm-hmm. but then i mean you, you went into different orders you lean towards dread you went towards storm so lots of different stuff lots of flexibility yet within those heroes oh uh, yeah when you did get started playing with these with these heroes, how did you actually let's go to the other direction first. Did you notice one hero of yours getting banned more than any other?
1: Well, at the tournament I'm pretty sure Dolo was probably banned the most against me.
0: Okay.
1: Um I think people were just very concerned about Dolo as in general. Mhm. So they pretty much saw red and banned it.
0: Is that something you were counting on?
1: That was what our assumption was: is most people are going to bandolo. If they don't bandolo, we're perfectly happy with that, just because it's a good deck as is. Mm-hmm. So I had quite a few people bandolo, and then I would say the Cassini deck was banned quite a few times, just because people are concerned. You know, they're not sure how to quite handle the Cassini. No matter who's playing it, no matter what type of deck it is, it's always. It always is on that thing where they can come back and kill you at any point in time if they draw correctly.
0: Yeah. So then when you went into it and someone handed you three heroes, where did you start evaluating? Like, were you in that camp where you saw red and banned it immediately?
1: I actually never banned Dolo once. Okay. I didn't ban any kind of red decks. If I saw it, I would ban Cassini just because I don't want to have to deal with it. <laughs> This is that it's it's a deck that at any point in time in the game, if it hits a run, it is going to over, mm-hmm. you know, overcompensate with where you've already locked it up and come back and just take over the game from nowhere, pretty much. Sure. And that was something I just didn't want to have to deal with. I didn't want to have to think about at any point in time. So I was banning Cassini. There was, I think, one or two games where I would ban just Sicario or just some other random decks. But most Sicario decks we aren't that worried about with the the trio we brought. Any of those grindy decks, we are pretty good against.
0: So then once you had it narrowed down to two, so say that your dolo got banned, as it often did, how do you go into deciding which deck to start with? I mean, do you just feel confident enough with either that it doesn't really matter? You know you have to win with both anyway? Or do you have something in your head that tells you which one you need to start with?
1: So... One of the guys on the team has done a lot of research because other games have ran this. I think he's played in a couple other games that ran this tournament, and he's watched competitive Hearthstone, who also runs slightly like a format very similar to this, and has analyzed that type of stuff. And it was pretty much it came out to if you start, you know, if you know you're against these decks and you're going to lean towards playing this hero against these decks when you see them, or you always lead with this hero, people can start. Metagaming against you. So we came up with pretty much just before you start for your first game, shuffle up and just randomly pick a hero. Interesting. So that way it's completely blind. They have no idea. They can't assume, okay, well, based on the last two rounds, he started with Trianu. He's always going to be playing Trianu first. I'm going to bring this out so I can get the advantage
0: in the first game. So, yeah, I kind of like that added bit of randomness in there.
1: Yeah, that was Gold Coast. He did quite a bit of searching and finding that out so it was just something we ran with we're like okay well just randomize the heroes and that way nobody can metagame against your first stack your first pick
0: yeah yeah that's smart i like it all right so now i think we're kind of down to your three decks i'm gonna let you pick your favorite one and (laughs) you can kind of just run us through it and let me know How is this deck at least supposed to work? If it doesn't work all the time, maybe maybe throw some of that in there too. But things to watch out for, what works with what, why this deck works
1: well i mean my favorite deck is going to be cassini just because that was always my pet deck as the first deck i ever built. sure but unfortunately it doesn't work anymore at all <laughs> um especially in its current iteration because Sunbeacons banning sure but i also talked about that quite a bit last time so i'm going to go into the go about the Triano deck as the deck i'll pick to talk about today fair enough fair enough so it was actually a deck drafted and created originally by lone glitch okay and then the two of us have sat down and change this change, you know modified a couple ideas play tested a few times made a couple more changes in the iteration we played is actually the main deck we didn't even bring any weird cards to sideboard and stuff like that so a couple of interesting cards were like the creable potion master and running two of those main deck
0: yeah that, and, that, that is and, something and, you don't see a lot
1: No, yeah, especially – and I mean it makes sense when you're looking at the advanced format to run those main deck just because it helps. Yeah. And you don't have a sideboard to take those out to get rid of their healing. But even without the advanced format, that was something that was always main decked and would get pulled out or taken adjusted as as needed at that – you know depending on your matchup. Mm -hmm. But they just – when you can land one of those and you're like, okay, well, I'll Trianu and – I get two cards, you get nothing out of it. It <laughs> turns Trianu even better. Sure. We focused a little bit more on purple. Uh, we had a little bit extra Dread because, you know, we ran the Abyss Tentacles. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people were running the deck and just doing the Mimicking Horrors. Yeah, we
0: did see a lot of that.
1: Because it's all green buffs, and then you just add the Mimicking Horror, and... You're able to one turn kill somebody and you don't have to rely on purple at that point in time. But we wanted a more reliable way where if we can't draw, you know, the one turn kill or something goes wrong and you're not able to get that to go off, you've got the consistent damage tick through the abyss tentacles and the insect swarms. Sure. And there's multiple games where you're going to just play one or two of those out, drop a one with nature, and just overrun your opponent because they happen to not be able to answer it.
0: Did that happen fairly often? Were you able to actually kill them without the mimicking horror stuff?
1: Oh, yeah. I think I had, if I remember, correctly, okay, it's been quite a while because it's been a couple months <laughs> or a month and a half yeah, now. Yeah,
0: the-
1: Quite a few games, I actually just outgrinded them. Okay. Um, and would get the kills with the Abyss Tentacles, the, the Insect Swarms, because you're just ticking them down, and they always have that loom looming threat of the one-turn kill they have to be concerned about, that they have to go, okay, well, do I remove this, or do I hold it so I can't get the the Vine Lash one-turn kill on me? So you're getting all the extra tick damage because they have to figure out how they're going to effectively use their buff removal.
0: Yeah, showing your hand early, if you can get those tentacles out there, I mean, even just the item out there kind of is something, I guess, enough to scare them or at least show them, hey, this is this is my ultimate plan. But if you don't deal with this earlier part of it, <laughs> you're still going to be dead.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There, we actually cut down from uh, we were running two mimicking horrors and we cut it down to one. Just because there were so many games where we didn't even draw it and that we were, you know, it mm-hmm. would, we went from the whole you have to draw the Mimicking Horror to one turn, kill them to win to, all right, well, if you happen to have the Mimicking Horror, you're going to win anyways. <laughs> so why do we need to have that in the deck? Yeah. As a two of, because we've got so many other ways to win in this game. Dropping one with nature, that's your main buff that you almost always wanted to lead with behind corrupt wildlife it was literally okay corrupt wildlife in your hand no matter what you're doing that's your first option if you can play corrupt wildlife you play it just because it's such a powerful card
0: Mm -hmm. something i've seen people do a lot with corrupt wildlife is just use the additional actions to draw cards i know there are circumstances where that makes sense but it feels like a waste because they're unrestricted at that point right
1: yeah, they're unrestricted actions. So you can play, you know, in Triani, you can drop multiple soul cards. You can play a root singer into a reckless spirit, which is the only time you're ever going to be able to do that in that in, the, <laughs> yes. in that with that hero, which is great. Or you can, you know, drop a, an abyss tentacles and play something else or whatever you're looking at doing. A lot of people will use it just to card draw just because it is, you know, you're throwing back two cards and you get pretty much six cards back which is great it's it's a great advantage card mm-hmm. um i liked it just because you're able to just accelerate the board state it gives you additional cards in hand you're able to trianu to draw a couple cards and do a couple things and you're able to pretty much get those extra actions
0: if i'm looking at this correctly you only have the one item correct yes
1: yes we only ran the one item which is the grim glider
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And fairly significant well actually no. Usually in crossword decks when I'm looking at this list I I, I see one ofs and assume they're of the minor element. But they actually have a lot of well, actually no, just the spirit channel. Okay. So Yes yeah,
1: the Spirit Chandler and the Hungry Behemoth were the one ofs from nature. Yeah. And then it was the mipping horror, the shadow puppet, and a spirit gate. Oh, with, with uh,
0: the three tentacles. Yes. Okay. My concern with only seeing one item in there is always, you know, what happens if they get rid of it? And now, granted, during Nationals, when we didn't have access to Kindred yet, buff removal was very limited. Item removal, yes. yes. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: with everybody playing red, uh-huh. item removal at, at Nationals wasn't that limited because 90% of the Dolo decks or Granite decks That you're gonna run to. So almost everybody had one of those two decks more or less Mm -hmm. was running the item removal combo, the crushing blow.
0: Yeah. And there's there's no reason
1: to let them play it too. Yeah. I we had no problem with that. Multiple times I had my item crushing blowed on turn three, turn four, turn
0: five.
1: Mm -hmm. Um the benefit is in the Trianu deck, you really don't care if that's crushing blowed because you have Root Singers.
0: Yeah. So
1: you get to pull your item back and just replay it.
0: I guess that, that was the question then, too. Is like, did you make sure to reserve a Root Singer for that ultimately eventuality, I guess, that it's going to happen at some point? Like, did you ever find yourself in a case where they did crushing blow it and you, you either just didn't have one in hand and had to wait a few turns or you had already used all three for some other reason?
1: There's quite a few times where they crushing blowed and I didn't have it in hand. I never really had the instance where I used all three. You'll normally save that last one either if they're playing red, you'll be a little more reserved with your root singers than just throwing them down to bring back tree sprouts
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and insect swarms or reckless spirits. You'll normally save that last one just in case they happen to crushing blow, just so you can get around the the loss of your weapon. Sure. But it really didn't come into effect, as I said. Too much. We had it. We did have the weapon destroyed a couple times where we just brought it back. There was the one game I had which they actually destroyed. I I brought the weapon out on two. They destroyed it on their turn two, and I think it took till turn six till I was able to replay it. But when you only have such a limited selection of cards that rely on it, because the only cards I'm playing out earlier are the abyss tentacles, and none of the other cards really rely on me to play them early or have a specific time frame where you have to play them Mm -hmm. which is nice as spirit gate you normally don't want to play until you know probably at 30 minutes into the game (laughs) and shadow puppets the one of of i really need to answer two buffs sure so it's you can normally get around that with reckless spirit quite a bit and then mimicking horror is you have to be already set up for that
0: that's fair all right. As always, I will have the, the deck list in the show notes for anyone who wants to take a look at the full thing. We had talked about the advanced constructed format a little bit. And I just want to get one more opinion from you. Do you think going forward that advanced constructed should be reserved for like nationals or worlds or whatever our high-level tournament is going to be? Or is that something you'd like to see outside of that high level tournament structure like would you like to see that at a a store level tournament or something
1: i loved the format as i said it was a lot more about skill versus just simply bringing the sideboard and attempting to respond to what your opponent's doing you have to anticipate and be able to work around and it relies a bit more on being able to adapt during the game to what they're doing and have a deck that can be adaptable yeah Versus, okay, well, I lost, now let me change this deck that you know, everyone says I'm supposed to be running this after <laughs> when I play against Red, let's sideboard this in. You see it a lot, especially at Magic tournaments, where after game one, somebody will pull out a sideboarding check sheet of paper that is typed up that they printed offline because people have ran through deck lists and mm. stuff like that. Okay. So it works really well for those tournaments and it allows people to understand what's going on. Okay, well, again, you know, when I play against Dolo as Trianu, I sideboard these three cards out. I sideboard those four cards in. And they go from there and they just play and just go versus the advanced constructed. You have to plan for it. Okay, well, you know what? Now they're going to go on this other deck. How do I have to change my play style? Yeah. I had an instance of that where round six I played against Mumbles the last round of the day. Okay. And he absolutely destroyed me. Um He 2-0'd me within about 15 minutes. Wow. Um, I did not expect his decks to be running. Like he, every one of his decks, I think I banned his uh, Cassini. He played Dolo and he played Sicario. Both of them were hyper-aggro. They both ran Umbran and so they just threw out their hand and then refilled up, threw him out there again, refilled sure. up, threw him out again, and it just went, it just ran over me. And then I actually had the pleasure of the first round in the top sixteen. I had to play him again, <laughs> so it was back to back games where I played him, you know, end of day one and beginning of day two. Yeah, we turned around and I two would him right away the next day. Once again, I banned his Cassini. I let him play his Dolo and his Sicario. I completely changed the way I'm playing instead of drawing a card hand size because in Triani, you normally want to spend the first turn few turns drawing, getting mm-hmm. about a good six to eight cards in hand and just playing off of that. I don't think I ever let my hand go above three to four in any of the games and wow. just had to completely change how I played in order to adapt to how he was playing.
0: Yeah, that's what I love about events constructed is you can't, make those changes between rounds it's all about what you brought to the table yeah ultimately is this a format you would like to see more often i would
1: absolutely love to see it more often i'm waiting for them to announce this year's things i hope they have a few smaller qualify they have you know the qualifyings for the nationals Mm -hmm. but then they also host some smaller i guess like a smaller version of nationals a larger than the qualifying but a smaller than nationals type tournament where they do advance constructed and stuff along those lines just because I think it would keep people interested in the game. It would keep the format different. It would keep it alive versus, okay, well, we only see this once a year. Sure. And that's what I would like to see.
0: Fair enough. Well, I think we're going to start to wrap things up here. Nick, once again, thank you for coming back on the show. Congratulations again on your big win, and I hope there's many more to come.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm hoping we get some more tournaments going so we can definitely see some more competitive play. Beautiful.
0: And there you have it. If you'd like to get involved with Lightseekers Competitive Play, head on over to DeliverCrab.com slash tournaments to see all the places that we're holding our tournaments. We're always looking to expand our tournament scene, so if you don't see a location near you on the list, don't hesitate to send me an email, Facebook message, Twitter DM, whatever the case may be, whatever method of communication works for you, and let me know where you would like to see a tournament be held. Once again, all the information from this episode can be found in the show notes. Those can be found at deliverycrab.com slash 046. That's deliverycrab.com slash 046. That's all I got for you now. So until next week, got some more deliveries to make.